I get some of my best ideas when I'm out running. Maybe it's the lack of oxygen. Anyway, on my run last week, I had this idea about what I should talk about for this episode, number 131 of the Happiness Playbook. But then I started to second-guess myself and had doubts about it. But just as I was about to toss the idea aside, I was given a clear sign from the universe that I should talk about it. But before we get to that, I'm Larie Florence, and here's a short introduction about me. I'm a mom of five, a wife to a wonderful husband for 37 years, a new dog mom, and a mumsy to three grandkids. I'm the founding artistic director of Take Note Troop, an award-winning director and costumer. I'm a playwright, a reluctant podcaster, and an aspiring author. I love pickleball and gardening. I'm the originator of play theory, with the help of many other collaborative contributors. And I'm the current torchbearer for play theory, trying to share its light with the entire world. And for all of those who share this podcast, thanks for being on the team. I sincerely believe that play theory has the power to bring peace, compassion, creative collaboration, and generosity to all who will follow these four principles. Be present, let go and play, accept and build, and look outward, which is the one we'll be focusing on in this episode. And now... After volunteering this semester to teach two after-school play theory classes in my community for a group of third through sixth graders, I'm convinced more than ever that the foundational societal principles like play theory are needed more now than ever. All right, I'm stepping off the soapbox, and it's time to get to this episode. How did we do with last week's Play of the Week. For our team huddle, I need you to have some personal accountability. Did you answer the questions that we sent out? Did you answer, I excel at? There must be at least one thing you know that you're great at. Did you answer that? The next question was, I need to work on. Let's be honest, there's something all of us could improve. Something I like about me. To be honest, for me, I have always loved my hands. From a young age, I noticed that they're just like my mom's. And I loved my mom's hands. It's been a source of comfort for me to look at mine and remember hers over all of these years that she's been gone. What is something that others have told you that you're good at? Did you answer that one? Hopefully, you have some people in your life who are solid enough that they have the emotional bandwidth to offer encouragement and validation to you. Personally, I get lots of positive feedback about my directing. Maybe it's something less visual, like being a good listener. Maybe you're a great student, or you have a great sense of style. Accept these positive things about yourself, as well as seeking to make improvements when they're needed. All right, I hope you're doing these plays of the week, and I hope that you'll take them seriously because they will make a difference. It's kind of like giving you a workout routine. If you're not going to do it, you're not going to see the results. All right, on to this topic that destiny demands I share with you. 
I don't know what the weather's like where you live, but around here, spring has sprung. The trees have leaves, the breezes are warm, and the bees are buzzing. And some of my friends are talking about taking their boats out on the lake. Do you water ski? I can, and I have, but I currently don't. And that's okay, to each his own. Yeah, that's our topic, water skiing. Today, we're talking about water skiing or wake surfing or wakeboarding or whatever you call water sports behind a boat these days. Sounds a bit silly. And I thought so too, as I was out on my run pondering what I should talk about next, and this idea popped into my head. Now for me, taking a jog out here in my little town all alone, just me with an occasional chicken and the less occasional passing car or cyclist gives me time to think. But imagine my surprise when as I was contemplating the topic of water skiing and wondering if I could make a whole podcast episode out of the idea, I heard very clearly and loudly I was a water skier, straight straight slalom, not a wakeboarder. I started out on two skis, then moved to slalom. That's how it sounded. Are you kidding me? I was startled more by the words than the bikes zipping by as the two cyclists rounded the corner deep in conversation about water sports behind boats. Do you believe in signs? I like to think of them as God winks. I don't pretend to know who or what God really is, but I know we are more than however many days we've spent circling the sun. I don't pretend to know the details of how destiny and all of it factors in, but there have been far too many times something lined up that made me believe there's some kind of order or process that it's best not to mess with. So here we go. After that amazing confirmation, the destiny is aware of my thoughts. There's no way I'm going to rock the boat and not follow through with this idea. So here we go. I'm diving in to water skiing. In a previous episode, I have shared the story of my first time water skiing. My boyfriend, Matt, and a few others had taken his family's boat out to the lake one summer afternoon. They were all seasoned water skiers, and I had never been. So I was a little nervous, and being in deep water terrified me. But I'd heard it was fun, and all the others seemed to love it. Being an avid snow skier, I figured it was the same idea of using the ski's edges as needed to control the turns and the carving on the water instead of snow. I mean, after all, water's just like melted snow, right? So after some great instruction from Matt about how to lean back against the force of the water as the boat is moving forward and the slack comes off the tow rope, I somehow managed to get up on my first try. I still remember the feeling of that water bearing down against what seemed like every inch of my body that was submerged under the water. I think it was a combination of the fear of being in the deep water and complete confidence in Matt's instructions that led me to have complete trust in leaning back against that initial force of water pushing against me. My snow skiing skills definitely helped me keep the slalom ski positioned directly in front of me. My previous experience 
with torque and inertia on the steep slopes of Snowbird helped me recognize similar forces trying to push the ski sideways as it slammed forward through the water. I also remember feeling the force of all that water pushing over and against me, falling away inch by inch, then one foot at a time as I rose out and above the water to eventually stand on the ski on the wake behind the boat. I had been surprised at how hard it was to hold on to the rope and keep the ski in front of me while I was getting up, but once on the water, the sensation was very similar to skiing on a mild slow snow slope. In fact, it was easier than snow skiing in a lot of ways. Granted, I was just going in a straight line, but now that I was out of the water, it was a cakewalk. Matt and the others on the boat cheered me on, and as it became apparent that I was comfortable, they made a few turns right and left with the boat so I could cut back and forth across the wake. Despite my terror of the deep water, I was having a blast. I was proud to have made it up on my first try, proving Matt to be a good teacher, except for one little bit that he had neglected to tell me, which, due to my fear of the deep water, I didn't instinctively figure out, and that was how to stop skiing. Matt probably figured that it'd take a few tries to get up, especially since it was on a slalom, one ski, and that with each fall, the obviously the obvious thing of letting go of the rope would happen. Well, it never occurred to me to just let go of the rope. Even after what seemed like 30 minutes behind the boat, carving left and then right endlessly, finally I figured out what all the arm waving by the others on the boat meant. Let go, drop the rope, and sink. That took far more courage than the rising up out of the water part. As I slowly sank down into the dark water, I did have a life jacket on. My eyes were glued to the boat, which thankfully quickly turned in a large arcing circle to arrive back near me so I could swim over and hand over the ski to the next skier and then climb in the boat. Out on my run through my small town the other day, as I remembered that feeling of sitting in the water, waiting for the boat to leave you behind and watching the rope swim away forward from you, I thought about how much work was happening below the surface of the water to make it possible for a skier to rise above it. Maybe in this life, we're all proverbially water skiing. Some are in the boat with friends watching the action. Some are driving the boat and offering support and suggestions for success, like my boyfriend Matt. And some of us are in the water trying to hang on to that rope. And just like being in the water, some things in life are harder for some than they are for others. We can feel sunk by overwhelming pressures and burdens. There are addictions, relationship struggles, loneliness, health challenges, or as the optimistic like to call them, health opportunities. We can have challenges and struggles that are deep below the surface that no one else sees. Struggles and pressures that others have no idea we're dealing with. 
And trying to get up above them and beyond them is so hard. The water is heavy and there's pressure and force pushing against you. Inertia is not your friend in that scenario. There are things that are trying to keep you down. But if you can hang on and keep your ski aligned, then you will rise up out of the depths. And instead of feeling swallowed up and pushed against and even hopeless in your efforts, soon you'll be gliding along weightless on top of the water. And now the challenge is different. It's a matter of finesse. Because it's so much easier, it's easier to lose focus and to catch an edge or lose your edge. And down you go in a big bang of water meets body in sometimes very painful ways. Who knew water could feel hard like cement, right? And all of this to those on the boat seems so distant. They usually can't tell what went wrong or what you're struggling with or why it's so hard for you to get out of the water or why you caught that edge. But once you've fallen, they can see that and the safety flag goes up and the boat makes its slow turn around to come back and they'll either throw you a rope so you can try again or they'll pull you in so someone else can take a turn. In life, we get to spend time in the proverbial water and in the boat and hopefully up above the water, weightless, flying, defying gravity. When we see someone cutting the glass, sending rooster tails sky high, or doing acrobatics off the wakeboard, flipping through the air, it can be easy to forget that they had to spend time in the water, fighting and pushing against all of that pressure to get up above it. No one gliding over the surface gets there without effort. But sometimes when we see someone who has put in time and effort to overcome and learn from their experiences and from the advice of others, we think it looks easier for them. Or we assume that they just got lucky and we might not value their efforts. They may make it look easy now, but I promise it wasn't always that way. Sometimes we see someone struggling to get out of the water and we may be tempted to judge them based on where we're at in the back of the boat or as a more experienced person getting up behind the boat. There's a problem with this. You see, everyone is dealing with something. In this life, all of our journeys will have at least one leg on the struggle bus. And these struggles are mostly under the surface where those of us on the boat can't see others struggling with them. Even when we think we know another struggle, we don't. Someone struggles with depression, and you've also experienced depression, but it's not the same experience. Their depression and experience is unique to them, no matter how we may view it. Consider how, as in all things, in water sports, there are beginners and there are experienced experts. Do we have expectations about what an expert water skier should look like? It should be easy to get up out of the water. They should be able to handle adversity like choppy water, and they should make tricks look easy. 
But what about an expert water skier who's learning to ski barefoot? What does that look like? They'll look like a beginner all over again. They'll fall and fall again and again. They'll struggle to get up and out of the water. Does that mean they're no longer an expert water skier? No, they're just lacking in the process of developing greater expertise in a new area of water skiing. So the next time we see someone fail or fall, maybe even spectacularly into the deep, dark waters, let's hold off on judgment. We don't know what they're working with, what they're trying to accomplish, what they're dealing with, or where they're at. And wherever that is, one thing's for sure, it's not where we are. We are in our own seat on the struggle bus of life. This is why the play theory principle, look outward, is so important. We don't know what pressures and challenges others are dealing with. Someone who appears to be failing over and over again may be doing exactly what's needed to acquire the skill they're working on developing. We can't see below the surface of their life experience. We have to look outward and ask what others may need or may be feeling and then offer support and help as needed. Looking outward can be accepting what you can't see, accepting that we don't know what's going on under the surface as our friends, loved ones, colleagues at work, and scene partners struggle with the stuff of life. And sometimes it's deep stuff, like losing a mom. Sometimes it's something that will pass, like breaking up with a girlfriend. But in the moment of the loss, the pressure and force of all that emotion is still overwhelming and keeping a person down. Even if it's going to pass in a few weeks or in a few months, for now, it can be overwhelming. And that's what the person is dealing with. Did you know it only takes a half a cup of water to drown? It doesn't take an ocean or a raging river. Sometimes we miss little things that can be terribly destructive because we think we know what dangers to look for. Looking outward is not making assumptions about others' level of danger or pain based on what we can see. And it's instead about consistently offering support and not waiting for an obvious life or death crisis to offer assistance. I think if in our society we all got better at looking outward and offering consistent support, even when it wasn't obvious that there was a life or death struggle, there would be less life or death struggles to respond to. Looking outward truly is like the proverb, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Looking outward is not making assumptions about what someone should be doing or achieving or being. We don't know their history or what they're currently struggling with. We can't see under the water. Looking outward is seeing current needs like offering encouragement and validation of others' efforts, no matter if they're getting up and rising up onto that ski or if they're still struggling and it's taking them a lot of tries to get up and out of the water. 
looking outward is also about looking towards future outcomes. We may need to spend some time being uncomfortable as we learn new skills, develop strengths, and step out of our comfort zone to stretch and learn. Invest in others. Friendship and relationships take time. Look at the long-term plan and make choices that reflect that long-term goal. I'm sure there are more ideas that we can draw from this analogy of water skiing. If you have any, I'd love to hear them. I hope you'll share them in the comments on the Happiness Playbook on Instagram, send us a direct message, or leave a comment at playtheory.org. For our Play of the Week, I want you to imagine every single person you see this week facing a struggle to get up and out of the water of their life and rise above the forces trying to keep them down. If there's someone you know who's struggling, look outward and offer support. Maybe it's checking in with a, hey, how are you? Maybe it's a hug. Maybe it's a word of encouragement or validation. I promise you, there's someone you know that can benefit from your generosity. Thanks again for listening. I hope you remember that happiness isn't something that happens to you. It's something that you make happen. And here at the Happiness Playbook, that's what we're all about, is helping you develop the skills needed so that you can enjoy happiness to the fullest.